It's a Mailbag Monday. Do the Washington Nationals have the three best outfield prospects in all of baseball? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors, look for the green check, and stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com, let's ride. So as we do every single Monday, uh, this is a mailbag episode. All of these questions come from listeners of the show. If you have a question for your mailbag Monday, tons of ways to get them to us. The best is probably our subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. But first one comes from subtext, and I, I riffed a little off of what Jeff asked, but Jeff wanted to know, uh, do the Nationals have the three best outfield prospects in all of minor league baseball? And he's referring to James Wood, Dylan Cruz, who was drafted number two overall last week, and then international free agent Christian Vaquero. And I think the answer to this question depends on that third guy, right? How you feel about Vaquero, or if for some reason he doesn't work out, Elijah Green, Robert Hassel. But so Christian Vaccaro, reminder of who he is, was dra- was an international free agent in January 2021, spent almost $5 million, highest bonus of any player in that class. Uh, he's from Cuba. He is a switch hitter. He's a natural lefty. He taught himself to hit right-handed shortly before the signing period opened. Uh, he went to the Dominican Summer League last year. And this is after he had been in the Cuban Junior Leagues, and then he came stateside this year. So 23 games at the complex level right now for Christian Vaquero. 304, 408, 443. No home runs yet in those 23 games. Nine extra base hits, including multiple triples. 13 walks to 15 strikeouts, and 8 of 12 on stolen bases. So defensively, Christian Vaquero is a very good player that seems to be, uh, he will stick in center field. There should not be a question. The arm is plus, the speed is 70 grade. So even if, as he physically fills out, puts on a little bit of weight, it seems perfectly logical to assume that even if he slowed down a little bit, he's still going to be a plus runner and he should be fine. Again, the walks, the strikeouts are all very close to each other. And I noticed that the issues on his slash line, the thing bringing his slash line down is batting right-handed. We mentioned he was a natural lefty. In 68 at-bats as a left-handed hitter for Christian Vaquero, 309, 430, 471. As a right-handed hitter, and incredibly small sample size, like 11 at-bats, but 273, 250, 273. He's not doing very well as a righty, not showing a ton of success. And so, obviously, you're still working on the power projection and what is that ceiling, and that's going to be the ultimate decider for Christian Vaquero as far as 
we think the power potential is above average, but just the time he needs to get there. He's got to work a little bit on, on elevating the ball some, but mostly it's just getting more power behind that swing. And then ideally you'd see him get more comfortable as a switch hitter when he bats right-handed. There is always the possibility as he moves up in the system, they eventually ask him to just stick with batting lefty because as a natural lefty, He's going to bat left-handed most of the time to get that platoon advantage against righties. And he'll very rarely have a chance. Well, he won't have nearly as many chances in game to work on the right-handed hitting as he, you know, like as he probably needs to improve the skill of that. So I do think Christian Vaccaro is a very promising third outfielder in this group of the three. James Wood obviously just promoted incredibly hot top 10 uh, top 10 outfield prospect. Dylan Cruz, probably going to slot in. Later this week, we'll have a top 100 update that includes some of the recently drafted guys. Uh, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens will be pretty high on those lists. But you do have the fallback for Washington of there are multiple options for that third outfield spot. Now, Christian Vaquero is the most promising of those three as of right now because of the strikeout issues we've seen with Elijah Green, because of the contact quality issues we've seen with Robert Hassel. But there are a couple teams that would be good candidates to to make the argument that they have the three best outfield prospects in minor league baseball. Uh, a popular name when this topic comes up are the Brewers because they have Jackson Churio and Sal Frelick. But I'll remind everybody, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer have both graduated from prospect status. And so... Technically, that third guy, you're kind of hurting. Luis Lara, maybe? It's it's tough. But if you're looking at teams that just drafted somebody, uh, the Twins and Rangers stand out to me. The Rangers have Evan Carter, who obviously is one of the top 10 outfielders in all baseball. They have Wyatt Langford, who they just got at number four in the draft. And then that third spot could be possibly Dustin Harris, possibly Aaron Savala. There's a couple options there. The Twins have Emmanuel Rodriguez who is finally swinging the bat again, thanks to us fixing him, and Matt Walner, and then they drafted Walker Jenkins. And so it, teams that added a prospect in this draft that could make the argument that they are one of the one of those uh, teams with the best three outfield prospects in baseball, and then a couple teams who had outstanding guys, but you've got questions about who that third guy might be. The Cubs, Pete Crow Armstrong, Kevin Alcon. Alcantara, but then you've got, is it Owen Casey? Is it Alexander Canario? Is it Brennan Davis? Who's that third guy? The Red Sox, Miguel Blyce and Roman Anthony, two young players everybody's very excited about. But the question is, who is that third guy? Because I absolutely do not think it's Sedane Raffaella. We had a crossover with the Red Sox right before the draft. It, we actually didn't have a spot to put it in our feed, but if you want to go check out Locked on Red Sox the week of the draft, it's in there. We talked about some of the top prospects in, I think, the third segment. And we may not have even gotten to Sedane Raffaella because I am out on Sedane Raffaella. He had, I think he has one walk in AAA this year. It is just not a good look. I do think there's a really good argument for the Orioles. Colton Kowser just got called up. Heston Kierstad is in AAA. He's another premier outfield option. And then you've got multiple guys who could slot into that third role. A Dylan Beavers, a Judd Fabian. 
And to me, it's something where maybe Wood and Cruz have a higher ceiling than Kowser and Kirstad, but Kowser and Kirstad are closer to the majors. Obviously, Kowser's already there. And you have more faith because they're higher in the system for that third guy, and whether it's Dylan Beavers, whether it's Judd Fabian, or somebody else, versus Christian Vaccaro being still in complex level. So, interesting question. Thank you for that, Jeff. Again, that came from our subtext. Best way to get questions to us, links in the episode description, links in the show notes. It's going to have a lot of stuff for you, not just uh, the ability to ask questions, but we'll be putting other things in there, like access to our rankings once those come out later this week. In just a minute, I've got a question about some Mets pitching prospects that have uh, stood out. We'll get to that next right here on Locked and MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. If you want the chance to win more money with less picks, head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. For instance, you're looking at, it feels like Matt Olson home runs is a pretty safe bet right now, simply because the man's got 30 home runs. Matt Olson of the Atlanta Braves heading into Sunday afternoon's game, caveat, he has as many home runs as the Braves have losses this year. He has 30 home runs. The Braves have 30 losses. And so you can look at it and say, okay, I think he's going to do great and get a home run tonight. If you want to win up to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. You can choose as many as eight players that you like. Pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, whatever it might be. If you get your picks right, you can win big. I love the fact that they have a group chat functionality. So if I find what I think is a good value, I can send it to my friends right there in the app and they can bet it as well. Or if I find, if, if a buddy of mine tells me he likes this line, I can turn around and take the other side of the projection and talk a little trash during the game as we see who had the projection right. So use promo code locked on. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. They're currently operational in over 30 states. So check out Sleeper today. Okay, Jeremy had a question about two young pitchers for the New York Mets. First one is Blade Tidwell. Second one is Tyler Stewart. And both these guys have been pretty impressive. And I like Tidwell more right now, and I'll get to why in just a second. But uh, 2022 second rounder out of Tennessee is Blade Tidwell. 2022 sixth rounder out of Southern Mississippi is Tyler Stewart. 15 starts for Tidwell in high A. He's six and three with a three four five ERA in seventy and a third innings, a hundred and three strikeouts, so thirteen point two per nine, two forty walks, five point one per nine, seven home runs allowed. Just was moved up to double A. We'll be making some starts there soon. And the stuff that he has is really good now that he's gotten past that adjustment period that he had to do entering the big. So the fastball. Plus fastball, sits 94 to 96. He can touch 98 with it. The slider, 
tons of spin on this thing. It's definitely a plus pitch. Some people call it the best slider in the Mets system. Sits low to mid-80s. I'm, I'm not 100% sure simply because I do like Tyler Stewart's slider as well. Uh, the changeup is the big question mark to me. It's probably fringe to average right now. Sits low 80s. He does have a curveball in the high 70s. And really, he's got to pick one of these to be the consistent third pitch and make it better. The issues you've seen with Blade Tidwell, you can see it in the walk numbers, 40 walks in 70 innings, so 5.1 per nine. And that's related to the fastball command. Sometimes loses the fastball command and has to get that back. And then just has to get that third pitch more consistent. I'd like it to be the changeup simply for the different movement profile. Ideally, both of them would improve. But at the very least, you have to get one of those better. And him moving up a level is going to require him to do that. Some of the adjustment he had to make before he could move up a level is at Tennessee, they were very focused on him throwing that fastball down and away. It was something where they wanted him to aim down and away so that if he missed, it was farther down. And it wasn't something that an SEC hitter could take and and elevate and put over the fence. The Mets have been working with Blade Tidwell to work the fastball up and work the fastball in. So he's literally had to change to the other side of the strike zone from down and away to up and in as far as throwing the fastball. So that is why he had to spend so much time in high A to kind of make that adjustment. And you can see it was 15 starts. But you can see he quickly got into the habit. In the last 10 starts in high A for Blake Tidwell, here are his ranks in all of the minor leagues in some of the prominent categories. So the last 10 starts, he had 76 strikeouts, first in all of minor league baseball over that stretch. He had 13.15 strikeouts per nine, first in all of baseball over that stretch. He had six wins, not that minor league wins matter, but six wins in those 10 starts, tied for first in all of baseball. He had a 170 batting average allowed, which was second in all of minor league baseball. And he had an ERA of 173, which was third in all of minor league baseball. So once he got these adjustments down, once once Blade Tidwell was comfortable throwing that fastball up and in versus overcoming the the learned behavior of always keeping that low in the zone, it started to be even better and and get him even more swings and misses and even more whiffs. Now, again, he's still working on some of the command of that. A lot of that was earlier in the year as he was working on it, but Blade Tidwell, very impressed with what he's done. And to me, is probably the number one pitching prospect for the Mets right now. I thought it was Mike Vasile a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, maybe right when Blake Tidwell started this streak of, of 10 starts with amazing results, but I solidly am on the, it is Blade Tidwell. He is the number one pitching prospect for this Mets organization. Tyler Stewart is the other guy that Jeremy asked about, 2022 sixth rounder out of USM, like we said. In his 15 starts between high A and double A, and he's only started double A once, so all of the rest have been in high A, but he's 4-0, with a 154 ERA in 81 and two thirds innings, 89 strikeouts, so 9.8 per nine to 24 walks, 2.6 per nine. He's given up four home runs. The thing to know about Tyler Stewart is one, he's six 
foot nine. And so because of that, the extension is somewhat ridiculous, right? The fastball sits mid-90s. It's I, I go back and forth between above average or plus, but it sits mid-90s. It has a lot of tailing action late, which I love. That late movement means it, it is hard to barrel it up. The slider is in the mid-80s. It's a plus pitch, and it's more of a sweeper. It's not completely a sweeper. It does have some of that vertical movement. So it's one of those, it's not quite a, sle- a sweeper. It's not quite two-plane break. It's still mostly horizontal, some vertical movement, but it's close enough to a sweeper. I'm going to classify it as that. Again, sits in the mid-80s. Again, the sweepers usually end up being 82, 83. This is around 84, 85. And then he has a changeup that he'll throw to lefties. So against a righty, he's got the sweeper that is going away from them laterally. He's got the fastball that uh, tails in on them uh, late. And then he's got, for a lefty, he introduces a changeup because that sweeper is going to break in on them. So he has to try to, you know, front door a, cha- a, a, a sweeper or uh, get them to swing on something that's coming at their back foot. It's a little bit tougher to get that sweeper, that sweepy type of, of breaking ball to work against a lefty. And that's part of the reason that those sweepers have some of the biggest platoon splits of any pitch. When it's moving laterally, it's a lot harder to work it if the usual thing you do with it is induced chase, but now it's breaking into a guy versus away from a guy. Either way, like both these guys, I want to see the changeup be more consistent for Tyler. If he wanted to start throwing some sort of vertical breaking curveball, I would not be mad about it. I think that would be another thing that would just give him another tool in the toolbox. But either way, Blade Tidwell, Tyler Stewart, two very promising pitching prospects. I think when you start seeing some of the re-rates, which we'll have uh, the Baseball America July re-rate later this week, I think you may see Tyler Stewart start to become a ranked prospect in this system, start to be break a top 30 somewhere. Uh, but I like Tyler Stewart as one of the better pitching prospects in this system. But Blade Tidwell still the number one for me. In just a minute, I've got a question about the two promotions by the Oakland A's, Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Gelliff, as well as some of the leaders, statistical leaders, at the midpoint of the minor league season. And we'll get to that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back into Locked in MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm Lindsey Crosby, your host, and we are talking about, and like here, Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Gelliff were promoted by the Oakland A's uh, last week coming out of the All-Star break while I was at Disney World. And yes, incredibly fun. Yes, incredibly hot and incredibly expensive, but uh, tons of fun. Again, apologies for the audio issues on Friday's show. We had a little connectivity problems while trying to get that recorded, so Visually on YouTube, it looked different. Audio-wise, wasn't the usual quality. We're going to get that fixed. Don't worry. So for Tyler Soderstrom, 2021st rounder out of high school, and both him and Gelliff have been in AAA all year. The Las Vegas Aviators were a big fan. They sent us a couple different hats. We love, you know, therefore we love the Las Vegas Aviators. Um, Minor league teams, if you need our contact information to ship us hats or merch or whatever it may be, Hit us up on Twitter. DMs are open. So both these guys, 69 games in AAA. And for Soderstrom, 
254, 303, 536. 20 home runs, 37 extra base hits, 20 walks to 84 strikeouts, one stolen base, and one attempt. Uh, in the bigs, as of time of recording, so not counting what he does on Sunday's game, he is two for seven with a walk and a strikeout. The thing for Tyler Soderstrom, he's caught one time, he's DH'd one time. Defensively, he doesn't necessarily feel like he's ready at catcher. Now, thankfully, you have Shea Langoliers. He is going to be your everyday catcher. Soderstrom really feels like he's going to be a, a backup catcher. He'll play some first base. He'll DH some for you. Offensively, what I'm worried about is in the zone, he is very good. It's very hard to beat Tyler Soderstrom's bat in the zone to get him to miss, uh, you know, swing and miss, fooling him on something. If it is, if it is a strike, I feel like he's going to hit it. But, there's always a but, his plate discipline is not very good. You can get him to chase. And it's the thing where, like, the pitch recognition is not bad, but he still pulls the trigger even though it's not, it's maybe not necessarily a strike. He can recognize, oh, it's a breaking pitch, but I'm, gonna, I'm still going to swing at it. And so when he connects, it's tons of power. I mean, his average exit velos are in the 90s. It's some of the best power in that system. Obviously, 20 home runs, 37 extra base hits. But he's also struck out 27.6% of the time. And I worry that when he moves to the bigs, or he is in the bigs now, he's going to struggle at least initially. And you can look at what he seems to do every time he gets promoted and starts a new level. He starts off pretty slow. Last year, when he got to high A for the first time, or 2020, I'm sorry, 21, when he got to high A for the first time, he hit 159 and struck out one third of the time in April. Now, he fixed it, he turned it around, he went to double-A the end of the year, and then finished up in triple-A, and then spent all year this year in triple-A. But it's every time he goes to a new level, it feels like he struggles, and it's because the pitchers are at the next level of being able to command a pitch on the edge, on the black, getting him to chase, get into, you know, getting him to commit to pitches that aren't drivable. And so I feel like Soderstrom's going to struggle at the major league level. He's two for seven, small sample size, but it feels like there's an opportunity if you're a, a dynasty person, maybe once he's up and he struggles a little bit to go out, especially if they send him back down to go out and buy him. I understand why they have him up. They want him to develop and work on this stuff now so that he can be a contributing member of the major league roster next year as they, I guess, try to get closer to contending. For Zach Gelliff, also 69 games, a little bit of a better slash line statistically. 304, 401, 525, uh, 529. There's your 345 slash line we talk about. 12 home runs, 34 extra base hits, 41 walks, 286 strikeouts, 20 to 25 on stolen bases. Defensively, he's a second baseman. He played third base at Virginia, but he is, uh, he is better suited to be a a second baseman. The accuracy of the arm sometimes didn't always work out. He has played a little bit of center field in the minors, like double A. He played it just a little bit. I think that could be an option, maybe, uh, you know, a, a left field or right field, something like that. But for now, it's definitely a second base profile. Power wise, doesn't have the same ceiling as Soderstrom, right? 
He can pull stuff for power, but really his thing is contact to all fields. He has to make sure that he doesn't uh, hit too many ground balls. It's a pretty uh, flat swing, so it's kind of set up for a line drive swing, right? Again, he can power balls, or he can pull balls to hit home runs, but he's at his best when he's hitting line drives. And the thing that he's going to have to work on, he also had a high strikeout rate, 27.9%. Uh, And so he's going to have to work on the chase. And then specifically, he's going to have to work on not not telegraphing that first pitch swing. He seems to like to swing at the first pitch a lot. That is a tendency that a major league uh, advanced scout will pick up on, and they will throw you junk on the first pitch and get him to chase and get into a disadvantage count right away. So work there for Zach Geloff. He, I feel better about his short-term fit simply because he, again, high strikeouts, just like Soderstrom, but he walked 13.3% of the time. He worked, walked twice as much as Soderstrom, 6.6%. So I feel like the transition's not going to be as bad. And so far, again, before Sunday's games, he's two for eight with a double, a triple, an RBI, and two runs scored. He's stolen two bases and struck out one time. So he's having a little bit more immediate success and it feels like his game is a little bit, while Soderstrom may have the higher ceiling, Gellif has almost a higher floor as a newbie to the major league level. Real quick, we just passed the midpoint of the minor league season, so I wanted to kind of go over real quickly some of the statistical leaders to kind of keep an eye on for home runs. Yankeel Fernandez of the Colorado Rockies has 22. He is the leader as we get into the second half of the minor league season. For stolen bases, Tampa Bay's Chandler Simpson has 66 stolen bases in 76 attempts. For OPS, the highest figure is Colson Montgomery of the Chicago White Sox in 71 at-bats. He has a 1256 OPS. Now, if you limit that to 250 at-bats or more, so taking out the time that Montgomery missed and saying guys who've been around for a full season, Luke and Baker of the St. Louis Cardinals, who fell off a prospect ranking list, he got back on it this year by mashing a ton and got a brief call up to St. Louis. With his 251 at-bats, he has an OPS of 1,057. And for slugging percentage, Baker is second because Christian Encarnacion Strand of the Cincinnati Reds has a 637 slugging in his 278 at-bats. They've worked him a little bit in some corner outfield spots, trying to figure out, can they get him to the bigs sooner? Because now that Votto is back, Votto is playing first base or DHing. They're trying, you know, Spencer Steers plates in left field. They're trying to figure out where they can put everybody to have a chance to play. On the pitching side, your major, your minor league strikeout leader is Andrew Abbott of the Reds. He has 141 strikeouts and 101 and two-thirds innings, which is 10 innings more than anybody else has in minor league baseball. Your ERA leader, uh, minimum 50 innings. I was trying to make sure we got out uh, rehab appearances, we got out relievers, things like that. Your ERA for a starter is a 177 by Jake Bennett of the Washington Nationals. And again, minimum 50 innings pitched. Your lowest whip, walks plus hits per per inning pitched, is Max Ragic of the St. Louis Cardinals with 0.84. So I have complained a lot recently about the Cardinals not necessarily having pitchers who I thought had high ceilings, but 
Max Radjic is doing pretty well right now in the minors. Reminder, if you have questions for a Mailbag Monday, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us. We have a Discord. Lots of different options. Check out the subtext. One of the best ways to not only get questions to me, but get exclusive access to our uh, to our coming prospect rankings and everything else. That show will be later this week where we'll, kind of, we'll, we'll unveil those with 2023 draftees. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time. Hey, minor league.